Good morning. Happy Easter, everyone. How you doing? Yes. Uh, man, uh, I'm so glad to be here. I don't know why there's egg on the stage. Um, and if you missed that part, I, I want to encourage you to get to church earlier. Um, so just ask a friend. It was wild in here. Um, man, uh, the guy that we just saw uh, a second ago, his name is Vince Antonucci. He wrote a book called God for the Rest of Us. And it's also uh, that title that we'll be using for our, our teaching for the next six weeks. Uh, so we'll talk more about him in just a second. But happy Easter. Uh, the, the idea of God for the rest of us is basically this. That there is um, this idea that God has a limited vision of the world, that there are only some people that he will accept and that he will love. He will accept those that are super religious. He will accept people that just have their act together. He will have these people uh, that, that if, if they do things and dot their I's and cross their T's, God will love you. And then the rest of us, not so much. Get your act together, then come to God. But that is not all what we see through the pages of the Bible and through history. We find that God is for people with problems, in fact, he's very aware of our problems. He's for the hurting. He's for, uh, he's for the, the dysfunctional family. He's for the broken marriages. He's for people with addictions. He's for the apathetic. God is for us, normal, everyday people in this real world that we live in. And I got a feeling that you live in the same real world that I do. And sometimes you just don't feel real perfect. And you don't feel real put together. The good news is that God is for you. He's not against you. He's for you. So the next six weeks, we'll be taking a look at that. It, it might be that you seriously doubt that. It might be that you came with a friend today, or uh, Easter is one of the days of the year that you come to church because your grandma told you you had to come, and she's going to check Facebook, and so you're here. And I'm really glad you came. But it might be that the reason that you're not all into God and Christianity is because you're not so sure about that idea that God is for us. I want you to know that next week, we're actually talking about God for the skeptics and the doubters. Because I believe that's the place where a lot of us come from. We've all got questions. In fact, this is a place, Aaron said it earlier, this is a place, our church family is one in which you don't have to check your questions or your intelligence at the door. Bring it on. I think we're better when we ask hard questions. I think we grow more when we're willing to challenge something because if it's true, it will hold up. And it has. And time and time again, it has transformed lives. Uh, in our lobby, we've got some things that... Um, there was a slide up here of some books, some resources for this God for the rest of us thing. We are not a bookstore. We don't claim to be. And so, uh, but we do have a couple of books that, uh, that we got from Vince. Um, the far left here, you'll see the book God for the rest of us. Uh, Vince is a guy who grew up far from God. Uh, his dad was a con man and a professional gambler. Uh, and so he spent the majority of his young life running from the law, running from debt collectors, running from people who wanted to break their legs. I'm not making this up. And, 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 this book is largely the story of his life and how he discovered Jesus and this life-altering thing that God provides. Uh, not only that, you might have noticed that Vince was walking around on the Las Vegas Strip. Uh, Vince has moved to Las Vegas, and he's planted a church there. Uh, he, um, he started that church, and, and the whole goal is he's about a mile off the Vegas Strip. And he says, look, this is the, one of the darkest places in the world. Uh, we need to shine God's light there. And it's amazing the stories of life change that they tell through that church. And so that book is also the story of those lives. I highly encourage you to grab it. It's only five bucks in the lobby. Uh, our host volunteers do have a little credit card swiper. It's 70% off of what you would have to pay at a bookstore or online. It's a great deal. Also, the middle book here is called Devo for the rest of us, completely unrelated to the first book. It might just be that you need to kind of get your feet underneath you as far as like trying to 
do a Bible study every day, or at least having a devotional thought. Devo is an abbreviation of the word devotion. And so this is Devo for the rest of us. It's a 40-day challenge. You open this book, and the goal is to read a chapter a day for 40 days. I think the chapter is like three, four pages each. I did it myself earlier this year because I wasn't going to stand here and vouch for it if I couldn't vouch for it. It's fantastic, and I hate devotional books. I think most of them are really corny. I'm sorry if you love them, but I just can't get into them. Uh, But this was really practical for me. And so if you're like me, maybe this is a good book. It's also five bucks. Um, But also for free today, uh, while supplies last, because that's what you say on commercials. Um, We got this little book. It's just a little three-chapter handbook. It's it's free while we have them. Uh, It's just, it's completely unrelated to the other two books in terms of content. There's not really any crossover. Uh, And it's a great book called God's Love for the Rest of Us. And it explains kind of what Christianity is and how it can apply to your life. And so maybe if you're on the fence about Christianity or the church, this would be a good one for you to pick up. Uh, No one even has to know that you're reading it because everybody can get a free one as we leave today. Uh, And just take it out and and take a look at it. It would also be a good one that you might recommend to a friend who's got questions about Christianity. And so those are some resources. I'll move on past the commercial because we're here for some important stuff today. Let's get into God for the rest of us. All right, we ready? Let's do this. Um, i got to start with a quick survey, uh, and you don't have to raise your hand, but you can mentally do it, or physically if you want to. This is a, an interesting question. How many of you just absolutely love it when you get bad news? Everybody, right? Nobody? Anybody love it when they get bad news? You go to the doctor, and they're like, oh, it looks like you're due for your tetanus shot. You're like, shoot, <laughs> today? Like, well, sure, we can reschedule this. I hate bad news. If you're like me, you hate bad news. Most of us do. I recently got an app on my phone uh, for a local news channel. And uh, maybe you have one of these apps. It's a local news station or the newspaper. And I got this app, and, and I think it's important to keep up with current events and local news. But what I found is that this app has the extraordinary ability of doing something that I hate. About every 35 minutes, it buzzes my phone, and I look down, and it gives me bad news. Have you, do you have that app? It's like terrible. Here's, I went back. I, I want you to believe me. I went back through the notification history of this app. This is a few. I actually took out some of the more gory ones. Like these are kind of not so gory. There's worse news than this. Okay. Uh, smoke closes a road in Brunswick County. Oh, great. Cool. It'll make my day better. Bad news. Listen to this one. Body found floating behind Figure Eight Island. I think I had text messages from the devil. Like awesome. <laughs> Fantastic. Thanks for letting me know, news. Uh, Leland police investigate a robbery at Food Line. Apparently, that's ongoing, because I keep getting these notifications about this robbery at Food Line. I hope that if it was you, turn yourself in. I'm sick of getting the messages. Um, this one was crazy. Helicopter crashes at the Cape Fear Regional Jail. Wow. Bad news. Like, it never is like someone got a good grade on a test, or we finally found politics that work, or the economy's getting better. No, keeps going. This one was my favorite. Um, this is real. It, came, it was a news notification. Heads up, parents. Gerber is recalling food pouches you may be giving your child. You're probably a bad parent. Like, what? I'm seeing this, and I'm like, this is, this is crazy news. Like, why is this what they want to tell me? I've gotten to where I don't call it a news app anymore. I just call it my bad news generator. Like, that's all it does. When you watch the news, you see that. Now, here's, here's the sad, we can joke about that and we can laugh, but the, the reality is, isn't bad news just a part of our life right now? Like, we get to the point where bad news coming in, it just inundates us and we're just completely swamped with it. And what do you do? The more bad news you receive, the more resistant you become to even reacting to it. And we become extremely calloused. This past week, I was eating lunch at a meeting up in Durham and I was eating lunch with the guys after the meeting and on the news, we looked up and Another terrorist attack by ISIS in Brussels, right? And like, part of me wanted to really cry about that. But I know that there's a part of us in our culture that we look at that and then we're like, oh man, I wonder who got kicked off American Idol this week, right? 
Like, because we just become so callous to bad news that, ah, I just hope it doesn't happen here, right? I hope it doesn't affect someone that I know. Bad news is no fun. And so the question that comes to my mind is, what are we going to do about it? Like, can we form a club? Is there like a secret handshake? Is there something that we can do to alleviate all this bad news? Is there anything that can be done? Is there hope? Is there peace? Is there an answer? And here's the thing, guys. I believe that there is. I believe that there is hope. I believe that there is a chance for peace. I believe that there is an answer. And I believe that that's why we're here today celebrating Easter. I believe that the hope and the answer and the peace for all the pain in this world is Jesus. It's Jesus. And I hope today, while we talk about this concept of God for the rest of us, we can identify something. That though this world is full of hurting, God is for the hurting. How is God for the hurting? Well, at Adventure Church, every week, we love to open our Bibles, and, and we say we want to look to the Bible for the answers to life's most important questions. And so if you've got a Bible today, uh, I want to take a look at that question. What does God have to say for this hurting world? Grab it. If you'll open it up, flip over to the book of Luke, or maybe scroll down on your phone, your tablet. Totally encourage you to use your uh, devices here. Um, do that. If you don't have a Bible to use, we've got free ones underneath the chairs. Grab one. Uh, if you don't have one at home, or you just want a new one because you're just tired of your old one, grab it. Keep it. It's your free Bible. We want to give those away. Uh, but we're going to be in Luke chapter 7. Uh, if you don't have a Bible today, that's cool. It's going to be on the screen behind me. But in Luke chapter 7, we're in the New Testament of the Bible, which is about the last third of the Bible. And in the New Testament, we get the story of Jesus' life and his teachings and the church and where it came from and, and really the roots of what Christianity is and some teachings on how to live our life. And so that's the New Testament. Luke is one of the four books that is a biography of Jesus' life. It's why it's one of my favorite books, because it gives us the story of this guy, Jesus, that the church and Christians put so much stock in. So we're going to be in Luke chapter 7, starting at verse 11, and this is a short little story that I just want to kind of share with you. Here we go. It says this, soon afterward, Jesus went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a large crowd went with him. As he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. A large crowd gathered from the town, and they were with her. And when the Lord saw her, that's Jesus, when Jesus saw her, his heart went out to her. And he said to her, don't cry. And then he went up and he touched the coffin. And those carrying it stood still. And then he said, young man, I say to you, get up. Check this out. And the dead man sat up and began to talk. And Jesus gave him back to his mother. And they were all filled with awe and praise God. This is what they said. They said, a great prophet has appeared among us. And God has come to help his people. And the news about Jesus spread through Judea and the surrounding country. That's the story. So Jesus is on his way to this little town called Nain. And we don't know a whole lot of the details of the story, but as he's walking, he walks up on a funeral procession. And we don't know about this woman. Uh, she's a widow. We don't know how long her husband's been dead. We don't know if she has any daughters. But what we do know is that her only son has passed away. And probably the only other thing we can draw with certainty is that he probably passed away fairly recently. This is before modern embalming techniques and such. And the culture, I mean, the climate of that area wouldn't allow you to wait very long before you could bury a body. Sorry, this is real life, right? We, we all understand that. And so Jesus walks up on this scene. Now, it's, it's, I, think, I think relevant that it was so soon and so close to the death of this son because it was probably within 24 hours. And some of that initial shock of her son passing away, I don't know if he was sick for a while or if it was sudden, I don't know. 
But some of this initial shock has worn off, and I believe some of the rawest emotion of loss has started to happen. Have you been there? Have you had that raw emotion when you start to understand what just went down? And it's in this moment when this woman is in mourning, and she's literally in a funeral procession for her son, and Jesus walks up. So Jesus takes in this situation, and what I want you to notice is a couple of things, two things really. First, what I want you to notice is what it says Jesus felt. What Jesus felt. The Bible says, this story says that Jesus' heart went out to her. He felt this level of compassion for her. He saw and she, he's ah. Now, what's cool is uh, this story was originally written in Greek. Uh, the whole New Testament was written in Greek. And so uh, this, this phrase, his heart went out to her, comes from one single Greek word. Uh, or the idea does from this, this one Greek word. And the word is splagna. Splagna. We've looked at this word before. It's been about a year ago. But splagna is a really cool uh, Greek word. It's actually pretty fun to say because I just want to see. Uh, let's all say it together. It's on the screen. So just pronounce it like that. Let's say it together. One, two, three. Splagna. Now, it kind of has this sound to it uh, that goes along with the definition. The word splagna literally means uh, your insides, your guts, your intestines. It's like this area right here. And it is a literal, like, anatomical word, but they used it figuratively. When when they used it at this time period and used the word splagna, it was a figurative uh, seat of all large, strong emotions. Uh, We might say our heart. I love you from the bottom of my heart. They would say, when I see you, my guts wrench. I don't know. <laughs> when I see you, I, you know, my stomach is in knots, right? I've got butterflies in my stomach. It's that, but it's a deep-seated emotional experience. And so it says that when Jesus saw this funeral procession and he saw the grief of this woman, what did Jesus feel? Splachna. His guts were in knots for her. It's that feeling you get when you find out that there are, you know, hundreds of children in New Hanover County who are living in food insecurity. And then I look down at some of the neighborhoods in town, I'm like, how has that happened here? Spagna. It's when you hear the news of a friend who's, who's been in a car accident, maybe both parents have passed away, and the children are left with no parent. Oh, do you feel that? Spagna. It's this gut-wrenching emotional relationship with a, with a situation, and, that, and that's what Jesus sees. That's what he experiences. What did Jesus feel? He felt splagna. His heart went out to her. He felt compassion. We're talking about God for the hurting. What I want us to see is Jesus' reaction to this woman's hurt. Not only do we see what he felt, we also get to see something that he did. I don't know about you, but I feel stuff a lot, but I don't always do something about it, right? I see that, I'm like, man, it makes me feel bad. Well, right? You ever do that? It's, you know, we're Americans, we're, we do that. Um, but Jesus not only felt something, he did something. And let's just take a look at that. First of all, when Jesus walked up to this moment, he touched the coffin. Now, I, that doesn't seem really weird. Maybe you've been to a, a wake or viewing and you've seen a coffin, you put your hands on it. You've got to understand something, a couple things. Uh, first of all, um, it wouldn't have been a coffin like we would expect, like a box. Uh, more than likely, it was something like a board that the body was laying on or maybe like a stretcher. Okay, and so... When he walked up, I don't think we're supposed to understand that he touched the wood or the stretcher. I think that we're supposed to understand that he touched the body, okay? Now things are getting a little bit weirder, right? And he doesn't know this kid. This is, he walks up, and this is what he sees. There's another thing you've got to understand about Jesus and Jewish culture. Uh, it was considered um, against Jewish ritual uh, to touch a dead body. 
In fact, it was called unclean. If you touched a dead body, a dead human body, you were considered ritually or ceremonially unclean. And you were, from that point for a period of time, you were now no longer qualified or eligible to go participate in worship things. You couldn't go in the temple and you couldn't do certain ceremonies. And so for him to overcross this cultural boundary, for one, just to touch her, and then two, to touch her, realizing this is going to make you ceremonially unclean. This is taboo. This is, in, in a way, even a little bit rude, maybe, as the people watched it. They're like, Whoa, how dare you? Who does that? Who touches a dead body in the middle of a funeral? But Jesus just walks up. And ignoring the ritualistic policies, he touches her dead son. It's like he's saying, I understand the religious taboo, but this isn't about me staying clean and looking good in the front of the rest of you guys. I've got something I need to accomplish here. I need to show compassion to this woman who's hurting. So when Jesus touches the son, I'm imagining, and it says, it says that the crowd was silent, uh, but I imagine that they gasped. <gasps> Who does that? But not only does the crowd gasp, something else amazing happens. The son gasps, doesn't he? <gasps> and he sits up, and I imagine he's like, I don't remember falling asleep here on top of these people. Like, what's going on? Can you imagine yourself in his shoes for just a second? And right in that moment, this boy who was once dead and this woman who had no hope and she was crying her eyes out, everything changes. Jesus touches the boy, and he comes back to life. And then Jesus walks over. He takes his son to the mother. He hands him to her. Now, here's something that's really cool. Not only does he give the boy his life back, he effectively is also giving this woman her life back. She's lost hope. You've got to understand that in this first century setting in Palestine, it's a very chauvinistic society. And for a woman, your best hope economically and socially is to have a husband. And if not a husband, a son that can take care of you. We know she's a widow. She doesn't have a husband. Now her son is dead. But by raising her from the dead, him from the dead, Jesus gives her life back to her. Her future, her hope, the dreams that she might have had before are now restored. And then he walks over and takes his son to the mom and completes the circle. This is this beautiful thing. We notice two things. First, how Jesus felt when he saw her. He felt splagna. He felt his heart went out to her. And secondly, what he did. He touched the dead body and brought it back to life. It's a short story, but it's packed with lessons that I think we can unpack today and we can understand what it means for us to deal with hurt in this world. The bad news that we face and the pain and suffering that we go through every day. Let's take a look at that. God is for the hurting. Um, when, When it feels like life is tearing you apart, and you just can't stand it, guess what? Just like Jesus' heart went out to this woman, God's heart goes out to you. God is the God for the hurting. Splagna, his insides are all in knots when he sees you in pain. Maybe you thought that God could care less about you. Like, yeah, right. Right, I see the hurting in the world. How could there be a God who loves us in this world? I hope that by the end of our time together, you can see just a picture, just a snapshot, that maybe that's true. In fact, my encouragement to you, if this is your first time here today, or maybe you're giving church a try after a long break, that you'll just try and give church a try one more time next week. Because I believe there's a message of hope in this hurting world. Here's the thing. Jesus walks up on this funeral, and it's a totally ordinary thing. But Jesus specializes in doing the extraordinary in the ordinary. And he can do that in your life, too. And he will, and he has. People die. Funerals happen every day. People's feelings get hurt. Money runs out. But there's still hope because of something that Jesus offers. Uh, 
not only did Jesus feel the hurt of this woman, I, I want to convey this idea and bring it down home for us. I believe that Jesus feels the hurt of you, where you are, and what you're going through. I could show you a bunch of Bible verses, um, and we could talk about it for hours, and it would be really cool to do that if you want to, and maybe you came with someone who would like to talk about it some more. But I'm just going to show you one little verse. It's from the book of Romans, and it's in chapter 5, verse 8. And check out this. Look for what Jesus felt. It says this. God demonstrated his own love for us in this, that, listen to this, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He saw our hurt. He saw what we were going through. He wasn't waiting for us to get our act together. He saw what we were going through. He said, while you are still going through this, I am going to lay my own life down to create a bridge between your life and the love of God. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He saw our brokenness, and he hurt for us. Splagna. And he gives us a way back. Jesus feels our hurt. But what does Jesus do about our hurt? Like, I think sometimes we get in a philosophical argument or conversation about, like, God makes me have this fluffy feeling, and I want to paint unicorns and clouds in my house because it's, everything's good. But then, like, when you get down on, on, on brass tacks, when, you, when the rubber hits the road, you're like, yeah, but what is he actually doing in my life? I'm not looking for a warm, fuzzy feeling. I'm looking for answers. I'm looking for something that's actually going to take, it, it, take this on. And, and I'm, I'm, I think that the answer to this question lies into the second part of what God does in our life. i, I got to say it this way. First of all, Jesus isn't someone who just lived in the past. He is someone who still lives today in the present. That's what Easter is all about. If you haven't heard the Easter story, basically it is this, that God made himself a man. He took the form of a human being that went by the name Jesus, and all of God's fullness dwelled inside of Jesus, and Jesus willingly gave his life up. He was sacrificed on a cross in, in, in a public execution because of a punishment the government gave, but while he was there, the Bible says that he willingly, on his spirit, took on all the hurt, all the sin of our life. And for a brief moment, was actually separated from God, which is crazy. If he is God and he's separated from God, don't let it blow your mind because he's God. And it's way above our pay grade to understand that. But here's what Jesus does that dramatically impacts who we are. He showed us something that none of us can do. He defeated the ultimate penalty for hurt, pain, death, and struggle, which is physical death. Like, he defeated that. He goes, he dies, and three days later... He rose by his own power to new life. So not only is Jesus someone who lived in the past. He's not a great philosopher who just lived in the past and we look back on him and say, that was great. I hope that he wrote some things down so we can live by that. Christians believe that he rose from the dead and then in that state went on to be back in his full state of godness and is in heaven preparing a place for him. Not only did he live and does he live, but the same thing he did for people while he was on earth, bringing them hope and restoring their life he still does today. Hurt is real. Pain is real. Struggle is real. Am I right? Yeah. And it's no fun. We look at God sometimes and we're like, why are you letting this happen? And what's interesting is Jesus himself promised that this would happen. This passage from, that he said, this is Jesus being quoted in John chapter 16, verse 33. I want you to look at this. It says, in this world, you will have trouble. And he goes on to talk about some other things, but Jesus is like, listen, there are some reasons why this world is struggling. In fact, the reason that the struggle happens is because of sin. We're not living the way God wants us to, and it's got a domino effect on the world around us. 
It has created a spiritual realm of evil. It has created this place in, within our own life and society where life is just not easy. Even deteriorating the states of our bodies to where things like disease and, 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 and stuff could be reality. It all goes along with what happens because of sin. So Jesus says, and it's no surprise that in this world, you will have trouble. The question is, where's the hope in that? What I want to do as we wrap up is I want to take a look at two things that I notice as I read through the story of the widow and her son. Because I believe that when we look at that, we can find these principles that are hope-bringing, faith-affirming, life-transforming. Check them out. First, I want us to understand the story of the widow's son being raised from the dead. That's a real story. Sometimes Jesus tells parables that are like metaphors. And then other times there are moments where he actually interacts with real people. And so if we try to overlay our life on top of the life of the widow and the, the son, and we want the exact same results as that, like maybe you've got a sick relative or maybe someone did pass away, and you're like, God didn't raise them from the dead. God never promises us that he's going to raise people from the dead. He never promises us that he's going to heal all of our physical ailments. What he promises us is hope. And spiritual revival. That's what he promises us. And so we can't look at the, the story of the widow and say, I want exactly this. But I guarantee you that there are some facts and some details of this story that overlay completely over our life. The first one that I want you to notice is this. The story goes this way. The first thing I want you to notice is this, is that the funeral procession was in Jesus' path. Here's the principle. Find your way to Jesus' path. How do we get through hurt? How do we deal with struggle and pain and, and, and even uh, addiction and sin in our life? How? Find your way to Jesus' path. If you're dealing with hurt in your life, I think that these details are huge. And finding your way to Jesus' path is actually the advice that Jesus himself gives. This is in Matthew chapter uh, 11, verse 28. This is what Jesus says. He says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. His yoke is like, not the yoke I got on my head, that's yoke. Uh, yoke is like his set of teachings and his guidelines for life. He said, take, take me, my teachings, my philosophy of life, and my whole uh, idea of how you should do things. Take that yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest. Anybody feel like you could use some rest, some hope, some peace? Find your way to Jesus' path. Because that's where it begins. If you're hurting, find your way to Jesus. Only Jesus has the power and the authority to heal you and to bring you hope. And so often when we're hurting, we, we try to fix it on our own. This is something I've been guilty of. My guess is you're the same way. You're like, if, if only I could get out of debt. Ah, things would be so much better if I could just pay off these bills. If only I could fix my marriage. If I could just fix my marriage. If we could find the right counselor, that would be great. We just need the perfect counselor. That's all we need. If only I could stop drinking or this other habit or addiction that's dragging me down every day. If only I could stop doing that. If only I could just lose a couple pounds. Like I could find true hope and happiness. If I could lose just a few more pounds. If I could get a new job. If I, if I, if I, if I, if I, if I, and Jesus says, stop it. You can't. It's, you can't. I can't. We can't. But he can I've got the power, I've got the authority, I've got the willingness, I've got the availability. I am for your hurting. But get in my path. Don't try to find the healing standing off to the next of the path. Next of the path, my grandma goes to church, my friend goes to church. I'm going to see if I learn anything from them. It doesn't rub off. You've got to step into the path of Jesus. And you've got to let him impact your life day by day. And listen, if this is the first time that you've heard that, or maybe it's the first time you've listened 
I'm going to tell you, sometimes it is difficult to stay in that path. A lot of times, all the time. (laughs) But trust me and trust dozens of other people in this room who have found their way from a hurting life into a life of wholeness. That it works because God is able. Because Jesus brings healing. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 19, we get a teaching on that. This is the Apostle Paul. This is a dude who's experienced some hurting. He's tried fixing it by himself, by being perfect. If you were here for his, our Acts series, like he tried that. Check out what, what Paul says about Jesus. This is talking about Jesus. It says, God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. That's Jesus. So, so why is Jesus able? Because he's God. He's got the power of God, and he has the authority of God, and he's got the ability and the availability of God. And then verse 20, and through him, through Jesus, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace. How? Through his blood shed on the cross. That verse is packed with meat, but I want you to see that second verse, that, that verse 20, uh, that word reconcile. It means, to, um, it means to mend a relationship, or restore or heal a relationship. Our relationship with God is broken when we sin against him. How do we restore that hurt? It says that through the blood of Jesus shed on the cross, that hurt is restored. Jesus came and built a bridge from our heart to the heart of God. And he says the way that you access that bridge is to get on the path with me. So that's the first thing, get in Jesus' path. The second thing that I think we can take away, and I hope that it's something that really impacts your life today, is just the knowledge of this. What, what did he do for the woman? What did he do for the boy? He brought them life, right? He touched them and they came to life. Now, again, I said he's not going to completely heal everything in our life the way that he did for them. Sometimes he will. Sometimes there's other solutions. But this is what he will do. He will bring life. Jesus brings us life. That's the second principle that I think we learned from this story. He brings us life. Once we're in our path, he can change. Once we're in his path, he can change us. He can transform us. Another verse by this guy, uh, Paul, who was the guy who, this guy was a murderer. He was anti-Christian. He was basically a terrorist. uh, And he was trying to work his way to God by doing basically a a holy war against the Christians. But then when he discovers Jesus, he understands the new life that he brings. And listen to what he says in Romans chapter 6, verse 4. He says, we, he's talking to Christians, we therefore are buried with him through baptism into death. In order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. When you become a Christian, it's like you're leaving the old you behind. I love the symbolism of baptism because it's like, listen, down in the water, there goes the old Chris. I was down there. Uh, I don't care if he ever comes up again. Uh, I want to come up a new life. Just as we are buried with him, we are raised to walk in newness of life. Easter is about that new life. In fact, I love it that Easter happens at spring, and you got little, little eggs, and you got little, little bunnies, and you got little sprouts all over the place. Why? It reminds us of new life. It's these sprouts of life, and, and it reminds us like the winter is over. Hope is here. I can get my bathing suit out of the drawer. Wait, I got to another situation there. I was just thinking about the ocean. Jesus brings us life. You remember earlier I read from John chapter uh, 16? This first half said, in this world you will have trouble. What did Jesus do about it? Look at the second half. He says, but take heart. I have overcome the world. And that's the message of Easter. That God is for us and he's for our hurting. And wherever you are, he can bring you to new life. But But the key to that is to get into his path. And maybe this is a start for that journey for you today. 
Maybe you've got a lot of questions. You, you could go to our Venture Basics class. It starts next week. It's only four weeks, and I'll tell you what, after you, the first week, if you don't like it, don't come back. That's fine. But what would it look like if you could find your way into Jesus' path? I'll tell you what it would look like. He would touch your life, and he would give you life, and he'll meet you where you are. He loves you just the way you are, but he loves you too much to leave you that way. He wants to help you grow and change and transform and impact your family and impact your workplace and impact this city with, with his light. You know, for now, there's hurting. There is. I haven't deleted my news app yet because I think I still want to keep up with what's going on. But there's good news. God is for the hurting. And that's the message of Easter. Can I pray for you guys today? Lord, we love you. You're good. And as we sit and look over uh, just what you provided for us, I, I'm in awe of your grace, your willingness to forgive. I think about the things that I've done in my life that are evil and bad. and um, I'm not worthy to stand before you and ask for anything. But you say, ask for everything. Seek your kingdom, and I'll be given what I need. It's, it's just this upside-down kingdom that you have us in. Lord, help us to live in that place where we can, uh, like we say all the time here, that we'll be God-chasing, grace-shaped love agents, that we can be transformed daily by your Son. Lord, I thank you for this, this day, uh, for Easter. Um, as we go home, we'll hopefully have some lunch with friends and maybe, maybe make some new friends today. I don't know that we can go on the rest of this day celebrating what you have for us and that even maybe somebody today might accept that for the first time. and They'll want to come into your grace and into your love. We love you. Thank you for being the God that's for us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.